Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen, and it's Tuesday, September 19th. We're a bit late to the party since schools across the country have already been in session for a few weeks, if not longer at this point. But this is going to be our back-to-school special. And joining me for this class via Skype, please welcome back SeniorFool.com contributor Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit. uh, Great to have you on the show. Great to be back, as always, Vince. And listeners... You know who you are. For some of you, this is not late to the part at all. You're like me, used to trip into class five minutes late. You're right on time today. <laughs> there you go. So in previous years on Industry Focus, we've approached the back-to-school theme as an opportunity to kind of review in, uh, fundamental investing or financial topics. So last year, uh, Asset, you and I actually talked about return on invested capital. We had some real-world examples of how companies applied or used that metric. But this time around, we're actually going to look at companies in the education industry as potential investments. So some of you may have read or heard about the hits taken by for-profit universities with enrollment uh, at these schools declining rapidly over the past few years, and uh, a few big names actually declaring bankruptcy as well. Instead, we're going to focus, though, on companies that are working somewhat behind the scenes uh, as technology becomes a big part of education, uh, it becomes a big part of how students experience the classroom, and as online programs become more popular. So, Asit, the first company we'll cover is Chegg, that's C-H-E-G-G, in ticker C-H-G. And this is one that you brought to my attention. They offer a ton of different services to students. Can you give us a quick overview of the company? Sure. Chegg, or or Chegg.com, as students know it, uh, provides textbook rentals uh, to students. That's primarily what they're known for. And books were expensive when I was in school years and years ago. They've only gotten more expensive. So. With the tools that we have today, a student can go online and go to Campus Books or Amazon Textbook Rentals and rent a book that may be uh, 60% discount, 70% discount, or 90% discount to that list cost of the book and return it at the end of of the semester. So this is what Chegg primarily has provided to students. And uh, in the past, it used to buy its own textbooks, operate them on an inventory basis, rent them out make money that way. Um, But in 2015, the company actually uh, signed an agreement with Ingram Content, which is a huge uh, book uh, seller. And it basically now has that company fulfill its rentals and just takes a commission of about 20% on each textbook uh, that it rents. So it's a more capitalized model, which is more profitable. What the company's done in the meantime is to turn its attention to services. It bills itself as a student-first platform. That means from the time you're in high school, it helps you select colleges. Um, It helps you with standardized test prep. When you get into college, it's got neat services such as this uh, answer module in which you can pose a question to one of 35,000 experts and they will provide an answer and that becomes part of a great content system that other students later can review. Um, And it provides tutoring services which can be as low as 40 cents a minute through this vast army of online tutors. So the company is trying to position itself as a student's best friend in getting through not just high school, but college and then graduate school. And it's a massive market. There's a lot of market opportunity here for a company like this. Uh, Yeah, Check Management actually cites, um, in in I think their latest, uh, latest quarterly report, 
education industry in total, a $1 trillion industry, 7% of U.S. GDP. The company said that in 2016, last year, they served 6.5 million students, and there are 1.2 million uh, actual uh, subscribers to Chegg as of the second quarter 2017, and that number's up 54% year over year. And you know, those 35,000 experts that you mentioned answering questions is one of the services they offer. They've gotten 10 million questions so far through that service. Um, but the the big thing to remember for this business is the transition from the textbook rentals, and uh, now that it's taking that 20% commission, and now Chegg considers itself a fully digital company and you know just remember that that relieved the company of having to worry about things like its textbook inventory so no more depreciation expense no more shipping no more fulfillment no more warehousing no more uh, personnel costs for that and uh, here are some financial and uh, financial numbers for their business segments so even though the top line has declined as a result of the uh, agreement it's made with Ingram it's down 16% in 2016 their gross margin for the company is improving significantly uh, it was 38 point uh, about 39% in 2015 then 53% in 2016 and full year guidance from management for this current year 2017 puts gross margin at over 65%, so you can see how quickly that's ramped up as they uh, turn to focus more on services. And not surprisingly, their check services segment accounts for an increasing portion of revenue. Now it makes up the majority of the top line. And in the latest quarter, again, the uh, second quarter 2016 that was reported, uh, that number for check services, it accounts for 79% of the top line. And year-over-year growth there was 50%. So uh, the growth for this services part of Chegg's business is pretty spectacular and very impressive to this point. Um, a big thing uh, that I was really impressed by uh, that you also mentioned, Asa, as well before the show, is how the company uses its tech and also its data to kind of leverage uh, or to create a competitive advantage for itself as it scales up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, traditional education is delivered by a huge infrastructure. If you visualize in your mind a university, it's got dormitories, classrooms, uh, salaries of deans to pay, benefits uh, to all the faculty. It's a really low-margin business, even if you're a, no, a non-for-profit traditional college. And what Chegg is doing is, um, I, I call it the TripAdvisor model. Some of our uh, listeners are familiar with TripAdvisor, and their service as a sort of a reseller of, of travel through online portals uh, is supplemented by this knowledge base that's there. TripAdvisor reviews are a content um, sort of um, well that subscribers can access and non-subscribers, people who don't subscribe to other TripAdvisor services can get hooked into by reading reviews of travel destinations. And this is the same as what Chegg is doing by using low capital uh, technology that can be used over and over again and delivered through uh, multiple formats, they can increase their margins over time and make students more loyal to them. One stat that um, stuck out at me is that um, they have 1.2 million subscribers to check services as of Q2 2017. So um, in the second quarter of this year, they have 1.2 million subscribers, and that's up 54% versus the prior year. And what that tells me is this light model, which is providing services digitally, it is very sticky that a student who's used 
the experts to get a question answered or maybe spend an hour with a tutor or even use their writing services, which take a paper and format it in uh, an MLA format or one of the scientific formats for notation. Once you've used these services, you're much more likely to use this and, and pay for a subscription um, in the future. And so through a subscription model for many of these services, they have a recurring revenue base that's building. And that's why I think that although they were operating at a loss, the move to services was smart because over time, recurring revenues is a stable, predictable source of sales for a company and they can gradually overcome that. Um, I want to flip it back to you, Vince, really quickly. Talk and, and we can discuss uh, what might be a little bit of an Achilles heel. So whenever you look at these companies which are fast growing but losing money, always look, listeners, to find the biggest item on the income statement where they're really spending the most money and incurring that loss. Oftentimes it's um, compensation expense that's tied to stock. I usually ignore that for a while. I want to see what real life um, expenditure is going on. For this company, it's technology and development. So in the first half of 2017, roughly a third of total revenue um, or $39 million was devoted to technology and development. So that shows you both the opportunity and the hurdle uh, for Chegg. It's got to constantly invest uh, to grow its subscriber base and provide these value-added services to students. What are your thoughts on that, Vince? I think ultimately, uh, in the beginning, for a company growing this quickly, um, that is uh, kind of a, an acceptable risk, even for it to be that uh, large a part of the income statement, as you said, because of the fact that you know when it comes down to it, you know management has said that Chegg Study, which is uh, what offers some of their textbook. Um, informational guides and and some of their tutoring services, those parts of the business and writing tools, which you mentioned in terms of the citations, they have a relatively fixed cost structure. So once the investment's made, um, they have those strong profit margins to match them as they scale their businesses over time. And keep in mind that the ways that Check can expand, they can add subjects, they can add courses. You know, uh, they can ha- as they add more questions. To that Q and A network, uh, that adds more students. The more students they have, um, the more cross selling that they can do. They mentioned, for example, that their check tutoring customers, half of them come uh, from other existing services, so or these are customers of other existing check services. So there's kind of that cross selling nature, and a big part of that uh, is uh, this. Um, data that they have, they call it the student graph. I think it's a really powerful example of how uh, the the customers and their usage of the site is being leveraged more and more to kind of strengthen the relationship uh, with the company and increase the customer's value to the business. Because the company can take basically everything that it knows about you. So the textbooks that you rent uh, will give you an idea of what classes you take. And then the tutoring services you need uh, will also give uh, the company an idea of what you're interested in and what you need, might need help with, for example. And they can create a very personalized experience for you. And it's actually pretty shocking. There's a quote from the latest earnings call in the Q&A section that I think really highlights just how much information the company can, can pull from in regards to the students who use their services. And here's a quote. 
And so we collect data either because people provide it directly or because we are able to track their behavior. So if you rent a textbook, we know your college, we know your address, we know your class, we can estimate what your major is as a result of it, depending on your year and other books that you get, and we know your address, and of course we have your credit card. When you use Check Study, we have a lot of that, but in addition to that, we know when you're studying, we know what time of day, what time of night that you study, we know which subjects are harder for you and easier for you, we know your preference in terms of whether or not you'd rather ask a question or now watch a video, or whether or not you do step-by-step solutions. And of course, as mobile continues to just naturally increase, we have geography information. So it just keeps expanding every year, every time we offer services. In the case of writing, we increasingly now are able to tell whether you're high school or college. We can start to determine what your classes are based on the paper that you're writing. So this is all information that we are starting to get now that now that we didn't get before. So I know it's a long quote, but you can just get an idea of uh, of the CEO there listing out all the information they're able to pull from to kind of target their services to the students and exactly for the classes they might need, for their major, uh, for their uh, for their class level, whatever it may be. And I think that's very powerful as they kind of invest in the technology behind that. Absolutely. What is slightly creepy to someone of my age, but maybe natural to a younger person, this collection of data uh, can be really great revenue fuel going forward because after college, maybe graduate school, you're also going to go into a career. And I think this is an, a nice segue into our next segment because you may want a certification and Chegg will be there to help you study for that certification. But I think the next company we're going to talk about um, actually provides programs and certifications. Yep. The, before we close out on Chegg and move on to an, another really interesting company that I've actually been following for some time, I'm very excited to talk about. Um, I actually did want to get uh, a take on any uh, concerns that you might have, Asit, um, and I'll share some of my own as well in terms of the uh, the, the valuation and also any potential challenges for this company. You know, just from what I've seen, the stock has doubled year to date. It's more than tripled from its 2016 low, so it's currently trading at about 14.50 per share. Um, Valuation-wise, that puts it at over six times sales and almost 80 times free cash flow because it is not yet profitable. And uh, with that in mind, you know the bottom line is strengthening. Uh, and again, that's happening. It's strengthening pretty quickly with the help of the digital transition. Uh, 2017 guidance for management, for example, for their adjusted EBITDA. Um, is was forty month forty one million dollars versus twenty sixteen that figure was just twenty one million so just doubling in the space of a year, um, but the 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 main concern that I've had actually is ties to comments that management made about how check tutors is potentially going to become the biggest part of the company in the distant future. Um, they basically allude to the idea that schools are under-investing in resources like office hours for students, so Chegg can essentially fill the gap with those affordable you know, 40 cent per minute tutoring sessions at any time of day and potentially any language to help students learn. But to me, they talk about the company talks about a check study or its writing tools. How it's an initial fixed cost is significant, but it scales up very well over time. In this case, you know the more tutors you need, that's much more of a variable cost that will not scale quite as well for the company. So that's just something I was watching. Anything that uh, you'd like to call attention to as well for people who are following the company. Obviously, profitability is always one. It's hard to value a company which is losing money. You have to go to other ratios. What's the price to sales? You have to strip away the book loss according to generally accepted accounting principles and look at EBITDA, which you mentioned. 
So it's it just always harder until a company becomes profitable to determine how it should be valued relative to its peers. That's one problem with Chegg. We tend to be long-term holders, that is, uh, foolish investors. Uh, I'm not sure if we actually have a recommendation on Chegg. And I'm not advising that people just rush out and buy this company. But the longer your holding period, the easier it is to absorb um, some potential troughs as a company starts becoming profitable and the price that adjusts to the valuation. Uh, but I will just say on the concern you have, Vince, I share that concern in the sense that education is a cyclical business. That is higher education, certification programs, graduate schools. When the economy dips, enrollments decrease. And as school gets more expensive, it's not a given that uh, people will continually enroll in schools at this linearly growing rate. And that is sort of an assumption which underlines Chegg's optimism that, for example, with these study services or tutoring services, they're going to grow because academics, uh, academic institutions are underinvesting in office hours, et cetera. Well, if enrollment drops, that is a pressure on the demand for the tutoring services. If you're not in school, you're not going to be buying the tutoring services. Uh, and so we've seen in the past cycles where education is roaring to life. And it seems like many of the stocks that you and I sort of discussed for this show are having great years. Um, so that is one concern with the valuation. Always remember that education is tied to the economy at large. When trades are flourishing because manufacturing is up or service businesses are booming, uh, also higher education tends to lift as well. But when we're in a recession, the opposite initially occurs until people start realizing that one way or another they've got to get trained and tack on a degree or two to make money again. So it can be rocky in this industry. And I do share some of your uncertainty um, regarding potential valuation uh, of all really all the companies that are in this sector. Yeah, this is something, um, some of those concerns, uh, some of those themes that we've touched on, we'll uh, pass on to this next company. And uh, up next, we have Another tech-focused, uh, fast-growing uh, name in education that's helping students as well. But in this case, it's by allowing them to get their degrees online. The company is called 2U, ticker T-W-O-U. And we already mentioned at the beginning of the show that we wouldn't be covering the more controversial for-profit universities and online programs. So even though we're connected online constantly, think through our smartphones, through social media, and a lot of other platforms out there, online education still kind of has to grapple with more negative connotations. But I think that is also what makes to you really unique because this company is partnered with over 20 schools and its roster includes some very prestigious names like Georgetown, New York University, Harvard, and Yale. So, to you maintains uh, a focus on very specific graduate programs like business or nursing. And the hope is to attract students who basically want to further their education and their career opportunities without uprooting their entire lives. So they'll go, uh, so they have a preference for an online program. And the programs that the company offers are through these schools uh, are a mix of pre-recorded content and live classes, and where students can see each other. They can still give presentations, ask questions, and participate as they would in a traditional classroom experience. They're trying to recreate that online. And the company's motto is "No back row." You know, class sizes are, are very uh, reasonable at the average 12 students. And in the end, students will earn the same degree as their counterparts who actually attend the school in person. And the students 
uh, through two years um, partner programs, they generally pay the same tuition as well. Um, so, Oz, I'll turn it over to you again. Um, what parts of this business really stand out to you? First of all, uh, to U, and listeners, if you're looking this up, so Vince gave you this sig- symbol. If you're looking it up online, it's the number two and the letter U. If there's anybody today um, from the marketing department of to you who just happens to be listening, we feel your pain because I believe there is a, um, a song that is featuring Justin Bieber, which has now taken the top of the Google results. If you try to Google this, you're going to get Justin Bieber video, and you have to yep. scroll down. Use that scroll button to find it. But yes. it's, it's worth looking up. I noticed that as well. So, most uh, recently, the most recent quarter, revenue for Two You uh, is up 32 percent to 65 million dollars. That that leaps out at you. This is a fast-growing company. How it's been able to do this is the partnerships that Vince mentioned. It has a very strong pipeline. The company tends to look one to two years ahead to offer new programs. And what I mean by a program is uh, an online offering with a reputable school, which is an extension of their existing curriculum or a brand new program. A really prominent example that the company just announced is a new certification through the Harvard Business School. Um, It's called the Harvard Business Analytics Program. So in many cases, uh, 2U is partnering up, suggesting a, a totally new program or persuading a university to take an existing program, tweak it, and offer this online version. And it's a much more sophisticated approach than we've seen the universities themselves uh, be able to put out. Uh, it is more geared towards profit making. Uh, some of you may have taken MOOCs, which are massive online open courses. I hope I got the sequence of that right. Uh, <laughs> so universities have proven to be very interested in the online learning model. They participated in the MOOCs in the past few years to sort of build a familiarity with offering distance education. But TU takes it quite a few steps further. The first uh, advantage they have is that, you know, as Vince mentioned to me when we were uh, chatting about the show, he said it's really a technology company more than anything else. And you can see that in their CMS, that means content management system. It's the combination of real-time synchronous learning with uh, educational pieces that are there that you can link to and get more in depth on a subject. So uh, some of you who have taken online courses may have encountered the Blackboard system, which was a pioneer for many years. Uh, This is Blackboard on steroids, really. Um, But beyond that, for a university to offer a degree program like this online, there has to be something in it for the university that helps them make money off their model. And what distinguishes to you is that its back end is second to none. So the company offers a host of analytics to colleges that help them acquire new students. Uh, it helps them uh, turn statistics on what's working and what's not, provides back office functions. And all this is offered as software as a service. So it's cloud-based. It's very easy, easy to utilize as another revenue stream for the company. Um, so. What I see in to you versus other entities which have tried to provide distance education, online education, is a really technology-based approach which pays dividend for both the students and the colleges. It puts 
analytical tools in the college's hands, which they didn't have before and really don't have the wherewithal to develop on their own. Yep. I think it's important to note as well in terms of the way uh, to you kind of kind of approach these universities, some of these very prestigious ones, and and kind of sell them on the idea uh, of partnering on an online program, which again, you know, some of these still uh, are, are kind of grappling with uh, negative connotations. You know, they will uh, to you will, for example, invest upfront about five to t- ten million dollars in each partner university, kind of getting them set up and ready to onboard students and. Uh, begin with the program online. And the reason why the company is willing to do that is because the contracts that they sign with universities tend to be quite long, with contractual terms of about 10 to 15 years. And then beyond that, uh, there's tuition sharing between the company and the university, with the company usually taking about 50 or 60% of the tuition. And in the end, the company and the university, again, also have pretty aligned interests, which is to attract new students, but also keep students uh, enrolled in the 2U-affiliated programs and to, uh, for them to do well. And the, on, the, on the other side of that, 2U will also handle a lot of the recruitment and marketing for these programs, um, where it provides that technological infrastructure and support that you mentioned, Asit. And so, through the end of 2016, for example, 83% of students who have entered uh, relevant programs here with 2U and these universities, they either graduated or remain enrolled. So it's a pretty strong uh, number there. And uh, something else I wanted to touch on as we wrap up here is this is another company, uh, we talked about it with Check. this is another company that relies heavily on data. And they, uh, 2U has developed what they call a proprietary algorithm that allows them to identify the universities and programs that they think are going to be the most successful as part of kind of the 2U umbrella or portfolio. And they look at things like the existing market for a degree, student demographics. But in the end, you know, with the company putting in that, you know, $10 million, for example, with each partner, there's still definitely a risk. Uh, the payback period is typically four to five years. Um, and uh, on the bright side, you know, the majority of the company's earliest university partners have already chosen to renew. So see, they've seen the success that TU has helped them to generate with these online programs. They want to continue. And in the end, uh, the ability, I think, to scale each of these programs for a greater number of students or for a university with, uh, to help a university scale to more programs, that opportunity also exists. And then when you look ahead, I think uh, TU has spoken to some of the the growth that it hopes to see and to to kind of capture through additional partnerships, and by also expanding abroad, uh, management has pointed to a long-term goal of 200 pr- programs. And earlier this year, uh, they also acquired Get Smarter for about 100 million dollars, and Get Smarter offers short courses, and it also has relationships with schools like MIT and Oxford in the U.S., U.K., and South Africa. So again, that's kind of a uh, the early uh, the early steps of part of that international expansion. Um, just looking at to close out with some of the the financial side, the valuation side. You know, revenue has been growing as uh, as you mentioned, Asset over thirty percent annually for several years running. You know, the gross margins eighty percent for this company, but it's not not yet profitable, and it's spending a lot of cash to kind of maintain that growth. And I think. Uh, you know, until to use able to really diversify its partner universities, it does face also some customer concentration risk that listeners should know about. Since just three schools, uh, USC, UNC, and Simmons accounted for about two thirds of the company's revenue, uh, because 
uh, even though you might sign up a lot of additional, uh, even if you might partner with new universities, sign up new programs, uh, the enrollment in the most popular programs will ultimately overshadow those new ones depending on what the enrollment size is. Um, and this is company trades for almost 12 times sales. Uh, Closing thoughts from you, Asit. Uh, things that you're watching, uh, thoughts on valuation, uh, anything you'd like to discuss. So, um, on valuation, very similar to what we discussed with Chegg, until a company turns a profit, a little bit hard to gauge how much should you be paying. Um, I zeroed in on the loss just to keep apples to apples. We talked about Chegg having its largest expense as technology and development. Uh, two years' largest expense. Uh, year to date has been marketing, and that's mm-hmm. very typical. At $72 million, marketing cost is about 55% of revenue of $130 million. Now, I actually see that as both a little problem point, but uh, something very positive about this company. Vince, you mentioned the long term contractual nature of the programs it's signing up. Right now, there's a very heavy burden uh, on to you to market to spend on acquiring students and building these programs from the ground up. But if you can fast forward in your mind, say 10 years from now, an institution like Harvard, uh, a program which it's building on something that's extremely topical today for business, the Harvard Business Analytics Program. We see analytics being used in big data everywhere. That program is probably going to acquire a lot of prestige within the same contractual period that it signed up for with 2U especially if they renew for another long period of time. So at some point in time, the prestige of these programs will start to draw um, students on their own. Just as you have a familiar name like Wharton Business School, they really don't need to market so much. People want to attend and get a business degree from that institution, University of Pennsylvania, and that particular program. So I see that the this marketing cost, heavy marketing cost, is an initial upfront investment in building these long-term programs. And that should, if everything goes well, decrease over the years. And I feel optimistic that the company will be able to turn a profit. I didn't know a lot about this till Vince introduced it to me, but I am intrigued by 2U, both because the market for high-quality education is so vast and because they are so technology-centered. I'd love to revisit it in the future. When they turn a profit, we can talk more about valuation. But a very interesting company from my perspective. Thank you, Asit. Um, the last thing uh, that I want to mention is uh, the CEO, Chip Pasek, he offered an analogy that online education is like online dating in that it started with a very negative stim- stigma, but over time, you, know, you look at the popularity of Tinder, OkCupid, Match, dozens of other services, You know that stigma has kind of fallen away. And I think the two really is in a very unique position right now as kind of the leading company that offers what it does with its software as a service. Uh, you know, it's taking 50% or more of tuition, and, and schools uh, ultimately can see the, you know, as they see the popularity of these programs grow, the prestige of the programs grow, they can. Uh, they can partner with a to you, for example, and and kind of uh, not have to make that large initial investment that they would have to do uh, if they wanted to launch something like this in house. And we've seen schools in the past, you know, attempt things like this, and it hasn't been quite as polished or hasn't uh, been as strong of an offering. Um, but right now, to you, kind of this gold standard for online education. I think uh, 
right now with it only being focused on graduate programs, if the opportunity expands to undergraduate and, and other parts uh, of kind of like the educational cycle, uh, I think it's in a very advantageous position to, to do well. Um, but otherwise, uh, I think that is all the time that we have today. Uh, Austin, I know you wanted to cover a few international opportunities as well, but I think on our next show together, we can kind of have a quick um, we can have a quick powwow and talk about some of the international companies and the inter- education growth that we we're seeing abroad as well. Um, but thanks again for joining me on the show. Thank you for for the first time in many moons. I feel like cracking a book after this episode. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So people in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear in the program. Thank you, fools, for listening. Uh, have a great week.